0: Hello, I'm Tiffany
1: Parks, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Katie Sewell. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. And today, if you listen to Monday's episode where we talked about having sometimes a very miserable March, or having a particular time that is a period of time in the year when you dread the coming of it, like I do oftentimes with March... And in that episode, we talked about a particular march where I was particularly depressed, a march where it rained hard every single day, where I went to work in a very cold theater every day, where my outlook on life was just not very sunny. And I mentioned kind of flippantly that whatever shows that we did during that particular march would have been a feat for me in performance. And that got me curious, actually. What shows did we do during that march? And I found that we actually did two episodes. It was a miniseries that was quite fun. We did an episode on reality, and we did an episode on fantasy. And today I thought it would be fun to listen back to the one on Fantasy. Not only to hear a discussion from over five years ago, you'll be able to tell that we're in a different time because Aurelio is still a baby and is on Tiffany's lap during this conversation, so you get to hear him interjecting, let's say, from time to time, but also just to listen to this conversation with that in mind, that it was recorded during a particularly difficult period for me. And perhaps, I don't remember, but perhaps that's why the idea of delving into fantasy was so appealing at the time. So let's time travel together and listen to this episode, this long ago episode about fantasy. If you're interested in listening to its counterpoint about reality, look for episode 107. And without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, we're going to tackle the topic of fantasy. Would you say that you are a fantasy-driven person? I
0: think that's fair to say. I guess I really always do. I think that that's fair to say. Yes, I definitely could be accused of... Getting my hopes up on occasion. I don't know if that qualifies for being driven by fantasy.
1: Yeah, I would say that when I was a child, I had a very, very vivid imagination. Because of that, I think I did live in a fantasy world. And I think that my expectations of what life was going to be like was super fantasy driven. I thought life was going to be amazing, (laughs) you know, and that it was just a matter of time until I wasn't a kid anymore and I could get out there and it was going to be the best thing ever.
0: Oh, me too. And what, like, specifically were some of the these amazing characteristics of your life? Did you have any specifics or was it just in general, like, happiness That's all the time? That's hard to say
1: because it, it's hard to remember. But I think it's it's sort of that phenomenon where you are walking down the street. It's a sunny day and you feel like... You're in a movie. Somebody's filming the opening sequences of a movie, and it's going to be like the movie Amelie. It's going to be like... Everything's going to be funny. There's going to be like magic passageways. There's going to be people who are extremely romantic and who just sweep you off your feet and do funny, clever gestures all the time. You're going to be ridiculously clever. And Rich. Um, Well, and Rich. I don't know if Rich ever played into it for me, but maybe because, you know, like any kid, I loved... The story, Cinderella, that was my favorite fairy tale as a kid. And in hindsight, as an adult, I'm not really sure why I liked it so much, because it's kind of a weird story. But what was the nugget in that story? That was the fantasy. Maybe it was just that you get discovered for the amazing, unique creature that you are. And because of that, all of your dreams come true. And
0: also, (laughs) you know, your your tormentors get totally
1: thrown under the bus.
0: Yeah, they get absolutely destroyed. They get their toes cut off, they get blinded by crows, their eyes are pecked out. And then they have to serve you for the rest of your life. It's pretty you know, <laughs> it's pretty great, especially if you've got like some mean sisters, you know. You can't wait for that to happen.
1: They have to serve you if you allow them to of course. Of course. <laughs> they would love to if you allow them to.
0: I remember specific things that I mean, I'm talking even as a young teenager. I thought. I'm sure that I've mentioned before, probably several times on this podcast, that I studied opera quite seriously at the university level. And when I was in high school, obviously I was working towards the ambition of being a professional opera singer. And in my mind, I mean, you know how you are when you're a kid, ages seem really old, you know, like 30 is friggin old i mean it is so old i remember like kind of giving myself a timeline and thinking okay you know i'll go to university at 18 i'll graduate at 21 my career will be going as in i will be a fully established successful opera singer i thought 23 that was the age i I (laughs) kind of thought it would happen 23 hey you know why not singing at the met at 23 I'm, i'm maybe there are 23 year olds out there singing at the met who knows I remember that age specifically and thinking 23, it sounds kind of old, but you know, it's not that far away. That was kind of my reasoning. It sounds kind of old though. Like I, gosh, I'm not going to be a success until I'm 23. That's so old. It's kind of how I thought I couldn't see it happening sooner than that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. You're like, I still have to get through college and all this stuff.
0: Yeah. College and you know, a few years of working my way up and then, and then it'll be set.
1: Yeah. I think like I must've had a, a trace of that well, I never declared a major, but when I changed my intention in college from being a drama major to being a, um, a writing major, I remember writing this essay, which I never turned in, probably because it was so egotistical or whatever. But the very first line of it, which is the only line I remember was, what if everything I wrote was the most brilliant thing anyone had ever read? <laughs> Ever, whoa,
0: egotistical? Uh, I would say egomaniacal. That's off the charts,
1: Katie. Well, I think that the only thing that saves me is because it says "what if." (laughs) It wasn't a declarative statement. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know. I think it's sort of that—the closest thing I think you get to that kind of a fantasy in real life—that running through the grass music swelling behind you fantasy of what you think life will be like is those moments when you step off of a plane in a new place and what you look around and see is something you've never seen before that you find incredibly beautiful there's nothing except time spreading out in front of you and it just feels like all those possibilities are true again maybe the music will start to swell granted When you're stepping off a plane, you also feel a little haggard because, you know, it's been such a long flight, depending on where you're going. Yeah, your luggage might be missing. Yeah. At the same point, it has that realm of possibility. I agree. I definitely agree. But
0: I don't think that that's the only moment that it has happened, at least for me. Well, no. Hopefully not. I have great memories of riding my bike when I used to have a bike before it was stolen. Riding my bike through the little cobbled alleyways of Rome. On a beautiful spring day in a flowy dress, not having anywhere specific to be, just feeling like my life is almost a movie. You know, that Amelie feeling, walking down the street and just being filled with, I don't want to say bliss, but, you know, it's close to it. And I also used to listen to my iPod which is something I am embarrassed to admit. But I did used to listen to my iPod when I rode on my bike. So the music swelling, you could just insert it right in. It was, yeah. So I would pick the music on, you know, on purpose to be something very heart-wrenching or heart-lifting, I don't know what the word is, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, heart-swelling. And just do it, yeah. Or definitely, even, even walking through the city that I lived in now, I mean, it's Rome, okay, I got to give it credit. It's not, you know, just some crappy, ugly town. So it helps that it's beautiful. It helps that the weather is often great. I definitely feel it. It's not common thing, but I don't think it's that fleeting for me anyway. But then I'm an eternal optimist. No, no. I mean,
1: I, I agree. I guess now that you say that, I do agree with you because I think that your imagination can sort of take you anywhere if you let it go into those places. I can remember, and I hate running. I've always tried to like running, but I don't like it. <laughs> I'm like, one day I'll be able to run three miles. Uh, I don't know.
0: I mean, I don't necessarily think that it's very good for you
1: for no, your for but, your bones well, for your
0: joints and stuff.
1: So I don't think you're well, missing much. I will use that as an excuse next time I think to go running. But we've talked about the movie Last of the Mohicans before oh, on yeah. this show, which was my favorite movie growing up. And there is a song in that movie called "The Courier." which I only know because I listened to the soundtrack 10,000 times. Nobody else would know that that's what that song is called. Okay. But it is. And go on YouTube, check it out. It's really short. But I used to put that one into my headphones, which was probably a Walkman, honestly, if you want to talk embarrassing. (laughs) And it's a song that starts out kind of slow, sort of quiet, and then amps up, amps up, amps up, until it's like this raucous, flowing, beautiful thing. And I used to start walking out of my house, you know, walking to the pace of the music. And then as it speeds up, I would just start running faster and faster and faster. And that was one of those great feelings. Like, I don't know what I was imagining. I am all powerful being basically.
0: I think that music has the ability to do that to you. I really do. I remember one night I was home from college, I think. Speaking of Amélie, we were, I was listening to the Amélie soundtrack. I was with our mutual friend, Suzanne, on the deck of my parents' house, which is a beautiful setting, I gotta say. It was a beautiful, beautiful setting in front of a a lake with a mountain in the distance. It was a beautiful summer evening. The sun was setting, you know, it was a really, really gorgeous moment. And we were sitting out there eating dinner And the Amelie soundtrack was on and all of a sudden this one song came on and I don't know the name of it, (laughs) but it's a sort of a slow, pensive song or piece. There's no one singing in it. I remember I literally have the fork halfway to my mouth and I just sort of stopped and Suzanne and I looked at each other and we were totally aware that we were experiencing a moment. Yeah. And, And I said, what is it about this moment? what's going on? I I was honestly confused. I was like, if there was a snapshot of the moment, it would be this amazing, happy, inexplicably beautiful moment for no reason. I couldn't think of any reason. I mean, obviously the setting was beautiful and I was with a close friend, but I couldn't think of why that one second was so much better than the seconds before. And she said, oh, it's the music. (laughs) Like, uh, duh. It's the music that's (laughs) making you pause like this. And I didn't realize it until she said it. So music really does have the ability to transform a mundane or even a decently nice moment into something magical.
1: It's so funny. When, When you were telling that story, it reminded me of a moment where, and this is going back into the early 90s. So we're not talking iPods at this point. We had like a small Purple boom box.
0: <laughs> well, I had right? one of those. I think yeah. mine was purple, too.
1: Yeah with a tape player Not that CDs probably weren't coming out at that point But I've, I've always been a little behind the times when it comes to technology. So I was at this summer camp with a bunch of friends of mine in eastern Washington, which is very deserty and has these Kind of big flat cliffs that are relatively easy to climb and get on top of I had this great idea that I was gonna take my friends on this mission to climb to the top of one of these peaks with this boombox strapped to my back. And when we got to the top of it, we were going to listen to Enya's Watermark, that (laughs) album. (laughs) (laughs) And almost everybody who went with me were men, which you wouldn't think my Enya's Watermark plan would appeal to them, but it did. (laughs) And the thing about it is, is that when I think back of it in my memory, I have such a distinct memory about what I thought it was going to be like when we got up there and we played it as loud as possible. But in reality, I can't remember if we actually pulled it off. <laughs> That's how strong the fantasy is. Because I remember one attempt, we're climbing the cliff, and I put my hand up on this ledge to pull myself up, and i heard a rattle, like a rattlesnake rattle. Oh, scary. <laughs> yeah, and so I pulled my hand down and I said, I think there's a rattlesnake up there. Well, okay, we got to go back down. And I know we talked about making a second attempt, but I can't remember if we actually did it or not. But, I mean, that's what's so interesting about fantasy, too. Like, it's so ingrained in my head that I feel like we did it. We pulled it off. Well, that's the thing. I've read a little bit about this. If
0: you imagine something and you imagine it with a lot of detail, this is why I'm a fantasy person. This is why I don't have a huge problem, quote, unquote, getting my hopes up when I want something. If you imagine something and you really can find a way to almost believe it, to live it, something happens in your brain and your brain thinks that you've done it. You almost convince yourself that you've done it. That means that when it's time to do it, Is easier to do because in your mind, your subconscious is like, oh, I've done this before, this is easy. You're more likely to succeed. And that's why athletes will visualize the perfect golf swing or the, you know, hitting a home run. They'll visualize it before they do it. They convince themselves they've done it and then they do it. I'm not surprised that you feel like you've done that. And maybe I did. There are places that, you know, I've read about in books, scenes that I've read that are so clear in my head. I feel like I've been there and I think back, wait, did I go to Barcelona or did I just read a about it. And I honestly can't sometimes remember if I read about it or if I actually was there. That's how strong the, your brain is. That's how strong your imagination is.
1: Yeah. I think one of the most tangible things that everybody can point to when it comes to fantasy even if they're not a person who reads a book and can picture it so vividly is what it's like to fall in love with somebody or to be infatuated with somebody. Maybe is a is a better description because you meet this person for whatever reason it gels right and in those early months you can read almost anything into that relationship everything they say is like oh the most wonderful thing everything they do like what their eyelashes look like everything is just playing into this fantasy and it's almost like you create a person who doesn't really exist Oh, not yeah. reality. Oh, that's a major
0: problem. I think a lot of people fall into. I've definitely done it in the past. You project your, your ideals onto someone and you see them the way that you want them to be and not the way that they are.
1: Yep. And then when it starts to get further along and you start to know that person better or maybe the fantasy really breaks and you end up not dating that person anymore, it's almost like you are mourning someone who didn't actually exist you found out who they really were, and you were like, oh, I don't want to date this person anymore, but then you feel so sad, but it's not them, it's your fantasy that's gone. Mm. True. It's like a fantasy reality, because it's not like the person wasn't there, and that experiences didn't happen. I don't know. Am I describing that I well? I think so. I, I, I definitely have um, been there. I've been on both
0: sides of that, actually. I've been the person that someone projected their ideals onto, and I wasn't... The reality wasn't as good as the fantasy, and, uh, and he what broke was up What was the fantasy?
1: Do you know? Do you know what he was projecting?
0: I don't know. It was just, it was several years ago, obviously. <laughs> Um, before the baby. <laughs> long before the baby, before the marriage. It was someone who was quite a bit younger than me, actually. And, you know, really, 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 really wanted to be with me. And I kind of was like, oh, you know, I don't know. You're too young. It's not going to go anywhere. But he was so crazy. about me. he didn't know me. I mean, he he saw me a couple times once a day in passing, sort of at work, and thought that I was just... Some it's amazing I mean I, hopefully I am a, a, you know an amazing person but with a screaming baby um but um he thought I was a super amazing person and um I wasn't and he was disappointed I think once things got real yeah and he probably didn't have enough experience like I said he was younger than me but probably didn't have enough experience to know that what that he was projecting onto me and that it wasn't what he thought I
1: wasn't what he thought yeah So you don't know anything specific of what he thought you were going to be like?
0: No, I mean, he didn't think I was like Madame Curie or Wonder Woman or, you know, a specific (laughs) thing. But uh, um, obviously better than I am. Yeah.
1: Well, come on. Not what he was looking for, maybe.
0: It's not that the person, you don't find good things in the person or whatever. It's that no one can live up to a fantasy. Not really. Everyday life is always going to rear its ugly head. And it doesn't matter how crazy you are about someone, there's always going to be the underwear on the floor or the toilet seat let up, left up or whatever it is that is annoying or talking about bills or maybe that was what it was. He just thought, thought it was going to be different.
1: Do you think at the time that you were disappointed that you couldn't live up to whatever he was expecting?
0: Not really, not really, because I didn't think it was fair. I didn't really think, I don't think it's fair to try to make someone live up to that kind of a fantasy. And it's normal to project onto someone, but you should be mature enough to be like, okay, I was projecting onto you. There are still X, Y, and Z things that I think are great about you. So that's enough for me. Well, it really was the best thing that it ended because <laughs> man, it was not he was not the right person for me. So uh so it was definitely it was definitely for the best.
1: <laughs> so no hard feelings there. I was thinking earlier that occasionally you get this opportunity in life to sort of live a fantasy make a fantasy come true let me give you an example because i'm not describing that very well i'm friends with the author sherman alexi who's a pretty famous writer here in the city of seattle native american guy we went out to dinner a couple weeks ago and we were talking about native americans in the movies right Mm -hmm. which of course leads me to the last of the mohicans of course of course and the hottest guy in Last of the Mohicans, you can argue for Daniel Day-Lewis if you want, but no. The hottest guy is an actor named Eric Schweig, who plays a character named Uncas, at least to me.
0: Okay, can you, I can't remember the names. So who? which character was this? Was this the guy that the blonde girl killed herself over? Yes. Okay. Although you
1: just ruined the film for anyone who hasn't seen it.
0: That but film okay, is yes. from
1: the early 90s. I think <laughs> that if people were going to see it, they've already seen it. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe if I just keep talking about it every episode, everyone will see it at some point. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's this long-haired, beautiful Native American guy who's sort of meant to be one of the center heartthrobs of the film, even though he has next to no lines at all. <laughs> His real name in life is Eric Schweig. And so the younger me, the one that was obsessed with that film, was like, wouldn't it be amazing to meet Eric Schwag?" know him to look at that pretty face in person i had a poster of him on my wall okay this is how big it was whoa so we were talking about that movie and sherman said oh i know him whoa he used to be married to an aunt of mine wow at first i was like oh my gosh can you get us a meeting you know (laughs) how well do you know him can we bring him out to dinner with us (laughs) but then the second half of me was like do i really want to meet him Mm, You don't want that fantasy to be ruined. Most people I have found that I have met, and because of my work, I've met a lot of people that people would consider celebrities, famous people. Most of those people actually do live up to your expectations. They're even more lovely or more human, which for some people is a, a big deal. It's not like I feel like if I met him, I wouldn't get along or we might not have an interesting conversation. But it's an interesting thing when you start melding fantasy into reality because once you go into reality, you can't go back to fantasy. I will watch that movie later on after I meet him, and I will have a totally different impression of the fantasy life that I had about him when I was a kid.
0: Absolutely. I think also, I mean, on a much smaller scale, whenever you meet someone from a film, I don't think that going back to the film that you, you can never be as captivated as you were before, once you've met the actual actor. I mean, obviously, you know that it's not real. Your rational mind knows these are actors, they're reading lines, they're not that person. But you go into it for that moment, and you suspend your disbelief, and you you let yourself be taken away by it. And then, if you meet the actor, it's harder to do.
1: Yep. Well, I mean... Film is another one of those things that people do to go into a fantasy world for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, that's part of our escape plan Mm -hmm. of life. So you're right. When you meld the two, caution everyone.
0: It's not the same. Yeah. I have a similar thing that happened to me. Very brief story. Um... I'll try to make it brief. We'll see. When I was sixteen, I was doing community theater, and I met an older man. He was in his mid twenties. (laughs) Fell head over heels for this guy. I was nuts about this guy, and we were like buddies. And he was an upstanding guy. Like he wasn't going to take advantage of the situation, do anything untoward with an underage girl. So you know his. Behavior to me was totally on the up and up, totally platonic. But I was madly, madly in love with this guy or infatuated. You know, I was 16. I don't know if you can really feel love at that age. But you think it is at the time. He got a girlfriend. I became friends with her too. She was his age. And they eventually got married. And strangely enough, they even asked me to be in their wedding, which I'm not even going to go into that whole thing. But, you know, it was painful. Let's just say it was freaking painful. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Because, of course, (laughs) like... (laughs) Sobbing
1: your eyes out as (laughs) one of the bridesmaids. or
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I was actually the very, very older flower girl. I was too old to be a flower girl. But that's what I was. I don't know. It was weird. I was like an 18-year-old flower girl. Okay, don't ask. Long story short, we fell out of touch. I never heard from him. This was before email, obviously. My life did go on, believe it or not. Went away to college, had a boyfriend, broke up with him, went to graduate school. I was in graduate school came across his email address somehow. I don't really know how I found it. And we started emailing. Well, it turns out he's divorced. Of course, I didn't have that same infatuation for him. I mean, years and years had passed. But you never kind of lose that little seed of it. There's always something in there about an infatuation that you have, especially when you're a kid that is completely unrequited and unconsummated. Well, years and years and more years go by, and we somehow reconnect again after a couple of years of not writing. And I'm living in Rome. It was my first year in Rome, at least 15 years later. I said, oh, you should come visit. And he said, really? Can I? Can I actually come visit? Would that be okay? Could I stay with you? Okay, sure, why not? I was single. I shared an apartment with a bunch of people, but you know, whatever. We had a couch. He books his ticket. 10 days. I mean, it's not that long of a trip, but if you think you're staying with somebody that you haven't seen in 15 years, it's a long time. I was conflicted. I was, you know, a little bit worried, rightly so. I was like, I don't know this guy. You know, I mean, I know him. I'm sure he's totally safe and all of that, harmless. We're not friends anymore. Like, how are we going to get along? It's going to be awkward. I show up at the train station to pick him up, and I don't want to be mean because. You never know he could be listening to this podcast <laughs> you never know <laughs> um, I don't want to be hurtful or anything he's hanging on every word no right let's now. just say that I the attraction that I felt was completely gone. I mean there was nothing. not only was there no attraction, it was almost in the opposite direction. We actually ended up going to Venice for carnival, okay he wanted to do this. You know, I kind of said, well, look, I can't afford a hotel in Venice over Carnival. It's really expensive. He said, I will pay for the hotel, and I'll get a room with two beds. And I said, okay, sure. I knew that he wasn't going to, like, jump on me. I wasn't worried about that. The funny thing is there was this moment where at the end of the night, it was Mardi Gras night, and we had been out actually having a pretty good time like dancing and partying in the streets and stuff. And the dress that I was wearing had a little train on the back. It had been trod on so much that the zipper was completely ruined. I couldn't get the zipper undone. So basically, I'm in the bathroom of the hotel room in Venice on Carnival on Mardi, Mardi Gras night. And I can't get my dress off. And I had to call him in there to help me get my dress off, basically, like he had to tear it off me. And I remember thinking... If someone could go back and tell me as a 16-year-old that I would be in Venice with the man of my dreams tearing (laughs) my clothes off, how how would I have reacted and and that I wouldn't want him and that I would actually really not want him and that he would want to be with me and, and I wouldn't. It would be totally turned. I don't know. I can't even imagine. I would never have believed myself if I had... It would have been impossible.
1: No, you would have said, no, no. That would be amazing. Or maybe at 16, it would seem a little alarming. (laughs) But I don't... (laughs) Depending on your maturity level, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, that's... Isn't that nuts? Isn't that
0: crazy? And we completely fell out of touch after that. And I kind of feel guilty because I think it was my fault. I think I didn't, like, respond to his emails. And and I, I should have. I should have... I don't remember. I was it was just yeah, it was one of those things though. Never forget that. Which leads me to um a thought that a lot for a lot of people living abroad is a fantasy. They go to a foreign country as a tourist and they love it. They just fall in love with the city, Paris, London, Rome, Tokyo, and they say I want to come back and live here. And that's what I did. I fantasized about Are you eating cookies? Oh yeah. <laughs> I fantasized about what it would be like to live in Rome. And sometimes fantasy, the reality doesn't meet the fantasy. So we should talk about that maybe on a future episode.
1: Yeah, I think we should. Next week, we'll talk reality. I wanted to read you one thing, because oftentimes when I think about what we're going to talk about, I write something. Hmm. I want to read you something that I wrote and get your reaction to it, and then we'll leave it there, and next week we will do reality. Okay? Okay. All right. And I'm terrible at reading stuff, as you all know, but I will try. So here we go. Perhaps one of the most disappointing things about life from the perspective of my child self is that the fantasy and magic cannot last reality always creeps in you always eventually see behind the curtain sometimes you like what you see sometimes you don't and when you don't you find yourself mourning the loss of a person or an idea that wasn't entirely there your brain crafted a delicious story for a while you saw the magic in the world that you were always hoping was there And maybe that is the magic. Those fleeting moments when life seems to rise up to meet the imaginings of your youth.
0: Beautiful. I love it. It's true. It's sad, but it's true. Yeah. So I guess we should leave it there. Yeah. Tell us what you think about fantasy. Was Katie's last message true? Or do you think something else? Yeah.
1: And how do you uh, find that fantasy still presents itself in your life from time to time? And next week... Like we said, we'll get to what happens when reality sets in. Yep. That'll be fun. So this, we'll consider this the happy episode, and next week it'll be the sad episode. Or maybe reality isn't that bad. I guess we'll find out.
0: Sometimes reality surprises you. I
1: think so. So until then, if you do want to write us, you can always email us at bittersweetlife at com, Or you can tweet us. Or you can tweet us, bittersweetpod, at bittersweetpod.com. Or, just to scramble your brain a little more, you can also reach us on Facebook now, facebook.com slash bittersweetlifepodcast. And fairly soon, on that very Facebook page, we will be presenting, probably in just a couple weeks, presenting what is going to be our brand new logo exciting. And this will give you an opportunity to weigh in. In fact, maybe I'll post a few of the ones that are in the running and we can have people vote. Yeah, I thought that would be a good idea. Okay, good. So you have to go friend that first and then you can see how we're going to amp ourselves up into the next decade of the show. (laughs) Maybe decades too long. The next 100 episodes of this show. Yes. And until next time, I hope you have some good fantasies this week. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Talk to you later. Bye listener support is the reason that this show exists it's the reason the show continues and today i really want to thank our newest our two newest patrons thank you so much to robert and to andre for joining us as supporters as monthly supporters of the show patrons receive two bonus episodes every month they get invited to occasional live meetups where they can participate in the show And they also get early word on special events. Our patrons have heard of an exciting opportunity we have coming up in October already, something that we haven't yet announced on the show, and that, depending on interest, we may never announce on the show. If you're interested in finding out what might be the adventure of a lifetime, join us over at patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast. You can find links in the show notes or at thebittersweetlife.net. That's it for today, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.